You might call it the great equalizer. Many people have given it a shot. Many people who were comfortable with themselves. They were comfortable about their physical abilities. They thought they were pretty athletic and they felt good about it. So they gave it a whirl and they pretty much failed at it. Now, here's the reality. Many people are good at it. But you were probably not one of them. Some People can do some pretty amazing things with one of these, right? But you can't, right? Most of us are just happy to sort of get it around our waist sometimes, right? And uh, most of us better not try to do this. We might find ourselves on YouTube or something, right? It's the scary thought when we start uh, working with one of these, trying to get it going. Um, most of us would just stay away from it, rather just stay away from it, because we know how foolish we might look and how foolish we might even feel, right? Or is that just me? Okay. I, I wonder if maybe that's a little bit how Martha looked and Martha at least felt this one night. You probably remember the story, but let me run it down to you real quick. Jesus is at Martha's house, right? But Martha just doesn't have the time to listen to what Jesus is talking about that evening. So imagine then, if you will, someone's house, Jesus there with maybe probably his disciples and other people apparently as well. And Martha, you, you can listen, listen, you can hear her footsteps as she runs from the kitchen to the living room, from the living room to the den, from the den to the front room, from the front room to upstairs, from upstairs to outside, to back to the kitchen, back and forth, back and forth. Can you see it? All the while, with just this look on her face, like, I can't wait till I get my hands around Mary's neck. See, Mary's supposed to be helping her, right? So you can kind of see her. Maybe she's bringing something to drink to Jesus, right? Jesus. Until finally, it just gets the best of her. And she comes in there. Sorry, Jesus, I don't mean to interrupt your whole Messiah thing here. But don't you care? Don't you care that Mary isn't helping me? Now, of course, Jesus doesn't answer her question directly like she would like him to. Because if he did, he'd probably say, Martha, Martha, Martha. No. I don't really care. As the hula hoop falls from her waist. Ooh. Did I say that, Jesus? Oh, man. This is a familiar story, one that many people know. One that's been preached on over and over and over again. Certainly probably very familiar to many of you. And certainly even more familiar than it is to us. The church has been wrestling with this text for, for many, many, many years. And they've used this text for many things. In particular, I'll just give you sort of entered a look at some of those that are taken from these. And the first is this issue of hospitality. So some people would say, well, look at that. Well, the problem that Martha had is that she was doing just too much. When Jesus said, there's only one thing that was needed. You didn't have to go through all that. You could have just done this one thing and then had the chance afterwards to be in communion here. Maybe. 
Another idea that people see as they look at this is they see Mary. And, and where is Mary in the midst of all this? At the feet of Jesus, right? Maybe you're familiar with the rabbinic blessing that says, may, may you be so close to your rabbi that the dust from his sandals blows in your face. Meaning you are so close to your teacher. You so much want to be like him. You follow him so closely that the dust from his shoes falls on your face. So you have this image of the feet, and here Mary is at the feet of Jesus, and so Mary is taking a disciple's role, which, okay, yeah, that's good, but it's a big deal back then. Women weren't disciples, right? And so maybe part of what's going on, Lucas tells Jesus didn't care about social structure. Jesus didn't care about what you think women should or should not be doing, that anybody could be a disciple of Christ. And then sort of building on that, the word here that, that's used that uh, Luke uh, tells us that uh, Martha is doing, she, she's working and serving, is this word, let's see if I can say it right, diakonia, which is where we get the word deacon. We've heard of a deacon before, right, a helper. And certainly the life of the church, that role has changed in many ways until today where even, even today, it's different, and it's, it's different in uh, certain faiths and different places. But people see that in the story, this very familiar story. And I think all that's fine. I think all that's helpful, and I think it's beneficial, and we should have some of those conversations. But I think also we need to realize just a very basic element of what this story is. In, in a few verses earlier, in chapter 24, uh, verse 24 that we didn't read, uh, Jesus gives this, uh, um, Jesus is excited. And he tells his disciples, oh, prophets and kings wanted to see what you have seen. Prophets and kings wanted to hear what you have heard, but you have heard it. And so now we see Jesus with his disciples. And we realize part of what Jesus is doing and part of what Luke is showing us that Jesus is doing is teaching the disciples how to be disciples. Teaching the disciples, in fact, how to be better disciples. Y'all with me? See, Jesus had this crazy idea that, well, if people want to follow me, they should probably know what I expect from them. And so he would tell them. Now, undoubtedly, you've heard all this before. Countless sermons have been given over Martha and Mary. This is one of the preacher's delight. Oh, I can just preach on this all day. It's so easy. This is one of the easy ones. I think, unfortunately, though, sometimes in that ease of preaching or in that familiarity, we, we tend to make Martha out to be something she wasn't. I don't think Martha was a bad person. She might probably wasn't even a, a bad disciple. I think maybe she was more like you and I, that that night when Jesus came, she was just trying to make the most of her time. Now, see, the issue is she, and I'll say we as well, she she probably didn't believe it deep down, but the way she lived and the way she acted told us differently. But she, we, have this silly idea that somehow we control our time. Maybe you've said this before. Maybe you've had someone say it, it to you. Oh, sure, I have plenty of time. I can help you. Or just the opposite. Oh, I'm sorry, I'd love to do whatever, but I just, 
I don't have the time. We have this idea like we are controlling time or that we can manipulate time. When in reality, time, whatever time is, has its grips on us. Y'all with me? Whatever time is, it has us. Now, occasionally we feel like time works for us, don't we? That feeling you get when you wake up real, 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 real early in the morning, you look at the clock, you think, ah, I still got five more hours of sleep. Yes. I love that feeling. Or, or sometimes when you get something done on time, right, and then you have free time, right, to do something else that maybe you enjoy a little bit more. Or, or we feel like, yeah, I was paid well for my time. That was time well spent. Time kind of works out for us. And sometimes, occasionally, we kind of feel like time doesn't work for us. It's the family member that we say left before their time or too early. It, it's, it's the effects that time has on our bodies, right? Because time can do some funny things to a body, can it? And it's that that feeling that we get that we just let time slip away. My friends, the reality is we all have the same time, and time has each of us as well. Now, the easy preacher maneuver there is to say, now, so what we have to do is evaluate our time and give our time to God and give God more of our time. But, But do you see the fallacy there? It's still our time. It's still us making decisions about time. And that's not really the way it works. Maybe something we can start to do is to realize how God, through time, works in us. You see the difference there? Bishop Willimon made this observation about Christianity's perception of time. And I'll read you a few sentences that he has here. Islam, as well as any faith I know, has marvelous spiritual disciplines for taking over time in the name of God. The faithful follower prays to God throughout the day, stops everything, and prays. Similar disciplines are practiced in monastic spirituality as the Psalms are prayed through in the course of a day. Mainstream Christianity, though, has generally taken a different view. We do not, perhaps we cannot, take time for God. God in Christ takes time for us and interrupts time and takes time from us. Now let that soak in just a little bit and and realize what he's not saying. He's saying that God doesn't, in a negative way, take time from us. But what he is saying, I think, is that God does show up in our lives. The good news for, for Martha is that Jesus showed up at her house. And everything that she had planned for that night was irrelevant. It was over. She stopped doing what she was doing. Now, the bad news and where Martha slipped up is instead of she stopped doing what she do, was doing, but all she did was do something else. The good news for us, friends, is that God 
shows up today with us. Amen? You were supposed to say that, not me. God shows up today for us, friends. That is the good thing. And when God shows up, the love of God makes everything else irrelevant. The love of God makes your credit card bill look pretty stupid. When the, when the power of God shows up, it makes American Idol look like nothing. When, when, when the word of God speaks to you, Facebook just dwindles. Go with me. So the good news is that God shows up even today for us. Now, the bad thing is, Well, I think you know what the bad thing is, don't you? We got our hoop. So when God shows up, oh, hi, God. Glad you're here. Let me stop what I'm doing. But, 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 but instead of, well, you know, man, what time is it? We're supposed to be out of here by 12. I, I'd love to do more things, but, but instead of just this one thing, I think what I'll do is um, I'll get two hula hoops. And since I'm obviously so good at two of them, three of them be even better. <laughs> Amen. And then, yeah, okay, you know, three of them. Yeah, this church stuff is good, but you know what? Man, my goodness. You know, I only have so much time. You know, time is money, and, you know, we just start. And think of how ridiculous we look. Y'all with me? See, the bad thing is, when God shows up, we may stop doing some things, but maybe just like Martha, we find other things to do. It's just the same. And Jesus told Martha, you know, Mary has the one thing that's needed. She has the better part. So I think we need to realize that, yeah, you know what, we, we may fool ourselves into thinking that we've got it all together, we may feel like we fool other people. That, yeah, you know, I've got so much to do. I've got all these hoops, but I'm okay. But please know we're not fooling anybody. And we're certainly not fooling God. But Christ showed up and says, you only need one of these. Now, I'm not telling you which one you need. I'm telling you is God shows up. In the midst of all our struggling, in the midst of all our trying to make sense of all this, God shows up and says, you know what? All that other stuff. So friends, you and I can learn to look for God. So that when God does show up, we can have the one thing. And we can sit at the feet of Jesus and have the time of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>